y'all. This is Erin coming to you uh, almost live from the monthly That's What She Said event in San Francisco in the Fillmore. A real quick uh, shout out to Amelia Bono, who uh, you'll hear in just a minute. But just a reminder, we are at bitchtalkpodcast.com. You'll find all of our socials as well as our beautiful pictures um, and uh, up-to-date episodes there. You can also find us at bff.fm every Monday from 5.30 to 6.00 a.m. for that beautiful morning drive time and or you're just getting your coffee and you're exhausted and you just need to laugh in the morning to get your week going. So without further ado, I'm going to uh, roll into Amelia at the live event and I'll see you on the other side. I am with special guest Amelia Bono. Um, we are here at the social study and, um, I'm super stoked to have you on the show because, um, it's fucking topical. It's Shout Your Abortion. You are the co-founder, if not the founder of Shout Your Abortion, which has taken off, um, since 2015. Is that correct? And written about everywhere. We'll talk about that soon, but can you talk about your organization and what Shout Your Abortion is for anyone who doesn't know? Yes, definitely. So um, SYA started as a viral hashtag in 2015 when I spoke unapologetically about my own uh, abortion experience and it just ended up blowing up on Twitter and on Facebook and beyond that just sort of like starting this grassroots um, push for people to talk about their own abortions on their own terms in all sorts of different ways. Um, And the organization has evolved over the last few years. We're now in our fourth year as uh, a fiscal, we have, we're not technically a nonprofit, but we have fiscal sponsorship through a nonprofit. Um, and we, we essentially create places in art and media and real life events, just like this one, um, for people to talk about abortion on their own terms. Um, and yeah, it's, it's sort of like functions more, it's more of like a decentralized movement than it is a traditional nonprofit. Um, and for me, like the most important part about that is that it's like, you know, there's no like top down messaging where we're like telling people how to talk about abortion because we believe really strongly that that changes everywhere you go all over the country. And even like within the same city, within micro pockets of culture and faith and different demographics, like everyone really needs to kind of find their own way into the conversation. And so we're not like telling anyone how to talk about it, how they should feel about it. We're simply saying, we need to talk about abortion. The society's really fucked up about it, clearly. And also, uh, simultaneously, people are having abortions. A lot of people are having abortions, and a lot of people support abortion rights. But we're in this place where, like, our laws aren't reflecting our actual attitudes and experiences. And I think that's in a very large part because we're just not talking about it. And when you start a hashtag, like Shout Your Abortion, right, in 2015, and then it starts catching fire, but now here you are, what, four years, almost five years later, can you talk about the longevity of that and and how it's evolved since? Because it's crazy. And congratulations. You know, we're here. That's what she said. It evolved out of the last election, 2016 election, right? And we're still here. And we're like, okay, this is something that people believe in. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, like, when I um, chose to spoke about my speak about my abortion online, it was it was the day that Planned Parenthood was um, defunded by the House of Representatives, and I just sort of like reached a breaking point. And so, I think similar thing, like where something very very bad catalyzed um, a shift in the way that I was moving through the world and telling my story, um, and. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, like, dreamy story. Um, I, and you know, it's not just dreamy, it's an incredibly privileged story. Um, I am a cis white woman from a, like, middle-class background, surrounded by pro-choice friends and family members. I had my abortion, like, six blocks away from where I live. I could afford it. I didn't feel any kind of, like... I just truly didn't feel um, shame or, like, negativity around it. I actually had a really positive experience. Um, And I, I think that, like, all of those factors together are what enabled me to speak because I was like, man, I never hear about abortions like mine, you know? And, and I think that a whole lot, I think in part that's because a lot of people's abortions are far more difficult than that in terms both of like logistically and like culturally what they're up against. And I wish that more people could have an experience like I did. Um, but in terms of the evolution of the organization, so like in t- at the time I was in grad school, I was tending bar and like this status update was truly just like an off the cuff, like, oh, I'm freaking out about what's happening politically. Um, and then, you know, like I said, it immediately started like going viral online and also becoming this grassroots movement that was just like very visible and people were getting in touch with me a lot. And and I just like never went back to school. I never went back to the bar where I worked and I started organizing and living off of credit cards and looking around for grants and like thinking about what this thing could be if it like had any sort of guardrails and um, I was able to get a grant like four months later to finance like one year of of what would you imagine this thing to be like it was like a really cool ass open-ended grant from like an anonymous funder Um, that was essentially saying like, okay, whatever is happening is working. Like, what would you do if you could do this for a year? And so, um, like I said, it's, it's sort of been like that loose framework of like people talking about abortion and art and media and events is very much what it's been all along. It's, um, sort of like evolved to be like the next couple years of programming are really art focused. Our program is very like, we have artists in residences, residency. Um, so over the next year and a half, we'll have eight different artists. So now you're a curator. Yeah. So I mean like, yeah, well, yeah, I like it's, you know, I'm, we're like a producer. We're helping people produce like work about their abortions from a children's book about abortion written by a mom and her 15 year old daughter um, who like she had an abortion and she told her kid about it when she wanted to take her to an SYA event. And her kid was initially like, what the fuck? That's wrong. And then like they went to this thing and processed and now are totally cool with it. So they're writing a children's book. Um, There is this incredible woman named Viva Ruiz in New York City who has this sort of conceptual, um, just like very multimedia art movement called Thank God for Abortion. They just did a huge thing in the New York Pride Parade yesterday, and she's like going to the Pope. She's going to the Vatican to like try to be around the Pope or something and wearing this like abortion costume. She's just like on another trip. Um, but yeah, so just so it is sort of like a production slash curatorial thing at this point. But also like along with those large projects, we're always like connecting with folks like the folks that that what she, that's what she said and being like, what are you doing? How can we support you? And like, um, you know, we create platforms that can be used in all sorts of different ways. Like our website is a place where you can add your abortion story in text or video. And there are like a bunch of free downloadable posters and button templates and like ideas for how to have events. Um, So we try to like make stuff that 
everyone can use in a way that feels good to them. Um, and then also like on that higher level, like commission some big, beautiful art projects about abortion. Um, I've noticed on your website you had a lot of different publications writing about you and vlogging. And um, can you talk about? Because I saw I read the New York Times article when that came out, so I didn't know that you didn't go back to bartending or wow, going back to school. That's amazing. Um, can you talk about what that coverage has meant to SYA and to you as well? Yeah, I think that like you know, in the beginning, before like sort of. I think that the sort of initial landslide of coverage was like before anyone knew what SYA was, including me, aside from just people breaking this wall of silence with their voices and like flooding the internet with abortion stories and and um, just the need for a paradigm shift was sort of like all it all you could say about it. Um, and so, you know, initially, I think it w- I guess, like, in terms of publicity, I I always love, like, seeing abortion stories in the news and seeing people talk about the need for talking about abortion in, in, like, a personal and human way and not just this, like, bullshit, like, polarized, like, theoretical policy debate that is, like, very, very often missing real people's stories. So I always love, like, coverage of why stuff like SYA is necessary. I do think that, like, over time... I am less interested in media than I am in just, like, doing the thing, you know, which is helping create ways for people to tell their stories and connect with people who have told their stories and, like, build community around this shared experience. And, you know, the media cycle is, like, so fickle and bizarre and, like, overwhelming and, like, you know, just getting a lot of media coverage isn't necessarily a thing in and of itself. I think that with SYA, like, in the beginning, like, it was, like, wow, this has not really ever happened before. Like, we were on the front page of the New York Times for just talking about our abortions on Facebook. And I hope that I am the last person that that will ever happen to because abortion is normal and it shouldn't be that big of a story for someone to just, like, talk about it, you know? And, and what are the, the lessons that you're learning along this journey? Because I'm sure, again, it started as a hashtag, and now here you are speaking in San Francisco, which is not your city, it's not your home. So can you talk about some of that? Man, I mean, it's really, like, I have learned so much. Um, Can I say one more thing? You've also, um, you have survived two different, well, getting through a presidency, but can you talk about that? I mean, that's definitely, like, where my mind goes um, when I think about what I've learned from this. It's like, SYA started in the tail end of the Obama administration, and I, like everyone else that I know, thought we were heading into a Clinton administration, and you know, very naively at the time, it sort of felt like, okay, like, because my feeling sort of all along with, with like, why it's politically important to talk about abortion stories and for people to be as visible as people who have had abortions is like, you know, they can't get away with this oppressive policy if we are visible, like in the same way that gay marriage became a totally a political inevitability inevitability once queer people were everywhere and everyone was just like yeah that's my niece that's my mailman that's my boss like of course people can get married and I just sort of was expecting the same kind of evolution to happen assuming we're going into a Clinton administration and then you know as everything has gone down the way it has and under Trump like 
I think that the biggest thing that I have learned um, is that like things have never been anywhere close to okay in terms of abortion legislation that we have. Um, and that like, you know, it was really, it was really naive and really sort of like a myopic um, kind of just like a, a white woman not seeing outside of herself um, for me to think like it was ever on the track to being okay. Like primarily, you know, the Hyde ad- Amendment has made it so that people can't, you know, pay for abortions with Medicaid since three years after Roe passed. So like abortion has always been a like pay to play class privilege. You have to have the money. You have to have the money. And so like, you know, we have not ever, we've lived in a country all along where millions of people are like having children they don't want and can't afford because they can't purchase an abortion. And I think that like the biggest thing I've learned is that like we need a better, we need a better system than one that functions under capitalism in that way. If we're truly going to have like reproductive freedom for all, it can't be like if you can buy it. You know what I mean? Um, it's just like healthcare. Right. It, and, and that's like one, one problem I have with the phrase abortion is healthcare as a rallying cry. Like, of course it is. Of course it is. But it's so much more than that. I mean, we're talking about autonomy. We're talking about the right to self-determination. We're talking about who this country allows to be free. And also, our healthcare system has fucking failed. So if abortion is healthcare and you can't buy it, then you're having a child. And like, you know, we need it to be, I think, framed in more of a human rights framework than a healthcare for purchase framework. Um, the movement for re- reproductive justice, which was started by black women um, in 1994, um, were very, they were very clear about like, okay, this movement for choice is ignoring the fact that like, A, without access, there's no such thing as choice. And B, like, black women's needs are not being addressed by this framework that's just like, do you want an abortion? You should have one. Like, when, like, you know, our children are are not safe and are being killed by police with total impunity. When we can't afford to be parents if we want to be parents. And, um, you know, like, the right to, like, not have children, have children, raise children safely. All of that is covered under like a, a more sort of like holistic human rights framework. I think that like the sort of framework of choice and healthcare and like, you know, even the phrase like between a woman and her doctor, like feels like this very neoliberal, like kind of private, like it's a thing that you can buy secretly in this office if you have a good doctor, like, and that's just not, it can't be that way. We have to take care of people in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you were in studio with us. We could talk more about this um, <laughs> next time. Um, can you talk more about, we're going to switch a little bit. Can you talk about some of your favorite mo- moments during this journey? Oh, my God. Like top, top three to five. <sighs> okay. A, I have, like, a horrible memory. Um, your current favorite <laughs> moments. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's hard because I, like, get... I get so much life out of being, I'm in this incredible position where um, people tell me about their abortions like almost every day and people tell me about how discovering or finding their way into SYA has um, changed their life and their relationships and their families and 
you know, made them more able to just like love and be loved by people. And it's just pretty profound. Um, I think that uh, I'll totally cry if I <laughs> if I talk about my number one most meaningful moment. But um, I think it, it's okay. We cry a lot. I cry a lot on Bitch Talk. So go ahead. I feel like it. I know. I already feel like it's a crying aloud atmosphere. Um, so there's a young woman named Amy Jossett, um, who lives in Wisconsin, was born in Mexico, and I met her, this was like shortly after SYA had started, uh, I was speaking at the Planned Parenthood National Conference in Washington, D.C., and I was wearing this shirt that my friend had made me after the whole thing blew up that says, everyone knows I had an abortion, um, and he made it as kind of a joke that was just like, well, bitch, you've really done it now like everyone knows you had an abortion so I was wearing this shirt and after I got done with this panel this like like young person runs up to me and is just like and she I think at the time was like 20 and she was like I really need that shirt I like am finally ready to talk about like my thing and so I took her up to my hotel room gave her my super sweaty shirt um and she started telling me her story and um she was a victim of of sexual assault she was raped by a family member she was in a state where there are parental notification laws so she would have had to get her family's permission in order to have an abortion so in order to bypass that she went to Mexico to have an illegal abortion and in order to pay for it um, her and her friends like busked on like the subways and like just like raised money like that Um, she went and had this abortion in Mexico and it was like a bad unsafe procedure and she ended up developing an infection and um, almost ended up needing like an emergency hysterectomy. Um, She is amazing. Um, She like has never stopped talking about it. Like from that day forward, she's just been so vocal, so visible. Um, she has decided to become a nurse so that she can provide abortions. She is just like, like she's just this, I, you know, she's a person that's pushed my own concept of like what resiliency can be. And I can't even imagine how many people she's made feel that way. Um, so yeah, I mean like, that's that's my number one. <laughs> that's why you're doing this work, though. Amy, um, we're going to end on a high note. Where can everyone find you on the Internet so they can also shout their abortion? Yeah, totally. So shoutyourabortion.com is a place where you can add your story. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at shoutyrabortion um, and on Instagram at shoutyourabortion. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Amelia Maris, M-A-R-I-S, uh, and on Facebook, we're at Shout Your Abortion USA. Thanks so much for being on Bitch Talk. This has been really special, Amelia Bono. Thank you so much for being on. And I would love to have you back on anytime. So Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And next time we'll have brown liquor. We'll be in a studio. You'll meet my co-host and my producer. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks so much for being it. That's what she said. Yeah. That was Amelia Bono from Shout Your Abortion. Really, really powerful stuff. Um, The night was full of stories from women of all ages and races talking about their personal 
abortion stories, um, whether they're good, bad, or ugly, um, or all of the between, or women even talking about multiple abortions that they've had, and also women who haven't had abortions, but um, had to go and uh, rush to the pharmacy to get that morning after pill. So really powerful stuff that um, Amelia is doing with Shout Your Abortion. You can find Shout Your Abortion at shoutyourabortion.com. Uh, all different stories from all different women uh, and people identifying as women and some people not identifying as women. But um, if you ever have the chance, if you're not in the San Francisco area, but you are the first Monday of the month, please come to That's What She Said. Always good stuff, always powerful stuff, and you'll always walk away with something from that evening. So remember, you can follow us at bitchtalkpodcast.com. You can also find us at our new home at bff.fm every Monday from 530 to 6 a.m. And we'll see you soon.